If you ache for truth, goodness, and beauty, if you're hungry for a Christianity with substance and strength, if you long for a faith that's big and bold and biblical and all about Jesus Christ, if you're inspired by the idea of one church that has spanned 20 centuries, 24 time zones, and two hemispheres, enfolding every race, nation, and language, then you're considering Catholicism. Welcome to Considering Catholicism. We're so glad that you've joined us again today, or maybe it's uh, your first time. But either way, my name is Greg, and I, I couldn't be happier that you're with us today. A couple of housekeeping things before we get started. First, if you have not already, would you rate and review the podcast? Also, you can go to our website, consideringcatholicism.com, and you can find all of the episodes there, archived, searchable by topic. You'll find some videos and other resources there. You can also leave me a message or a voicemail on the website. And if you're so inclined, you can support the ministry with a one-time or recurring donation, which really helps us to keep this thing going and hopefully expand it in the future so that we can help more people to consider Catholicism. And one more housekeeping note before I get to our guest. I love your emails and your messages. I love hearing your stories. I love hearing your questions. And I occasionally love being challenged. I want to stay sharp and I never want to say anything that isn't accurate. So I had a listener who pointed out to me the other day, I was talking about original sin and I made the point that we are born with original sin. She wrote it and said, no, no, we're conceived with original sin. She thought that was important because we do need to remember that life begins at conception and we don't want to throw shade on the unborn. I know that, I believe that, but it's just sort of a habit of speech, especially when I get going fast and say, hey, we're born with original sin. Thank you for correcting me, listener. And I will from now on police my language a little bit better. We are conceived with original sin. Now, with that housekeeping out of the way, let's get to the main event, which is a conversation with one of our favorite guests, Angie Griffith. Now, Angie has been on a couple of episodes in the past where she told her story, how she got curious about Catholicism and some of the things that she went through and learned in that process. And I'm going to throw the links to those episodes in the show notes. But Angie is a favorite of ours. She lives in Nashville, and we are so glad to have her back today. She just recently went through the experience of entering the Catholic Church, and she's here to describe that process, what sort of the new members process is all about, and what the entering of the church is all about. So, Angie from Nashville, welcome back. Hello, I'm so happy to be back. Every time I hear you introduce, like we've recorded a couple of times now, it's so surreal to me because I... I'm such a fan of this podcast. Like I've said before, I'm like, dang, I can just hear, I, I picture myself listening to your podcast in my earbuds, but then I'm like, oh wait, we're actually here and we're like doing this. And that was <laughs> well, such a good... I appreciate that, Angie, but I'm a big fan of yours. Angie is a podcast maven. She works with other podcasters, does some coaching and assistance with other podcasters. We connected up uh, last fall via email. And she's got a fantastic show, which I want to make sure that she plugs adequately because she's definitely worth a listen. Thank you. It's called You Get What I'm Saying. You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. But I also wanted to say that point you made was so good about 
being conceived with original sin versus being born with original sin. Just so good to remember that life begins at conception. And also just to give you some grace, because as a podcaster myself, I would not be able to podcast if I wanted to say every little thing perfectly. Like that has stopped me in the past. When I first started podcasting, I was so nervous to get on the microphone because I didn't want to disappoint somebody or say something wrong or sound stupid. But the reality is, like, as a podcaster, just for all of your listeners too, like everyone, let's just give grace to podcast hosts because it is so hard to show up week after week on a microphone and not say something wrong or say something stupid, you know? So, yeah, just I wanted to. Right. Well, Allow you should give yourself some grace for that. <laughs> I appreciate it. And as I've said before on the show, you know, especially for me, when I get moving fast, I fall back into into my old habits. I've got a California accent from growing up on the beach, and I start slurring my words and drawling, and then I just my speech patterns all fall apart. So <laughs> you try to be my better self and use my radio voice, my podcast voice. But in any case, Angie, I am so glad to have you back on. The last time we talked with you, you were in something called RCIA, which is, I'll just loosely describe it for some of our listeners as essentially like the new members class to become a Catholic. It's way more than that, but it's something like that. And when we last spoke, you were nearing the end of that and getting ready to enter the Catholic church officially. And you did, and now you're a fully... Official Catholic. Like you've Official got Catholic. Catholic. You've got your Catholic card. They taught you the secret handshake and all that yep. kind of stuff. So you are in the club. But I wanted you to come back on today because we have so many listeners who are thinking about entering the Catholic Church. They've been listening to this show, other shows. They've been reading books. They've been watching YouTubes for a long time. And they've been kind of going down that road to Rome. And they're like, I really think I believe and I really think I might want to be. But what do I do? How do you do it? Like, how do you join? And so you having just come out of this, being one of my favorite conversationalists, I <laughs> thought who better to describe what that process is like and kind of help people to understand what they would be in store for if they signed up for it. Yeah. Well, I wish I would have had something like this when I was considering going through RCIA. All I did was I asked a friend you know, about it who... I don't even know if she ever went through RCIA. She has just been Catholic forever. But I was like, what is RCIA? And she told me because I think it was her boyfriend that went through it. But I would have loved to have a podcast episode like this. And I have to say, I'm obviously no expert here. I didn't lead the RCIA group. I was just a participant. I just became a Catholic. So I'll just do my best and share my experience. And I'm sure the RCIA that you went through was probably very different than mine in many ways. But if my experience can help someone who's considering going through this, then that is amazing. Great. So why don't you talk us through this, Angie? What is RCIA? It's an acronym. And what does that stand for? So it's the Rite of Christian Initiation for Adults. And how I kind of describe it is it's basically an opportunity for you to explore, to understand and embrace the Catholic faith in a really supportive community. And it's the way that every adult, from my understanding, is brought into the Catholic Church. So I don't think you can officially become a Catholic, take communion until you go through RCIA if you didn't grow up Catholic. 
Yeah, that's right. So for those who grew up in the church, obviously, they're learning all of this, what the Catholic Church teaches, what the Catholic Church expects of us, how we participate in the Mass and the sacraments, how we live our Catholic life. Those who grew up in the church, sometimes called cradle Catholics, are learning that by growing up in their home, by attending children's courses and various kinds of things. But for those of us who enter the church as adults, we have to, in a sense, be brought up to speed. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of what RCIA is. It's more than just bringing you up to speed and more than just a class. As you said, Angie, it, it really is a formation process. It is. And for me, the word that kind of tripped me up when I was considering going through RCIA is this word initiation. And just to explain, I mean, I'm, maybe you could even explain this better than I can, but... When you think about initiation, it seems like pretty intimidating, but it all comes down to the sacraments. So a sacrament is an outward sign instituted by Christ to give grace. And there are seven sacraments, right? So baptism, which is public profession of faith, cleanses us from original sin. There's confirmation, which is receiving the Holy Ghost to make us strong Christians and soldiers of Christ. There's a Holy Eucharist, which is receiving the body and blood of Christ in communion. So bread and wine. Penance, which is the forgiveness of sins that are committed after baptism. There's extreme unction, which is anointing of the sick, which I always forget. I don't even know that word unction just gets me every time. I don't even, I still don't even know what it means. Anointing of the sick, holy orders, which is ordaining a member of the clergy, like a priest or bishop, and then matrimony, which is marriage. And so when it comes to actually being initiated into the Catholic church, there's basically three sacraments of initiation, which are baptism, confirmation, and Holy Communion. And so through your time in RCIA, you kind of hit all of those. And then once you do all of that, you have your first communion at Mass. And then again, you get your your card to be an official Catholic. <laughs> you got the secret handshake and <laughs> yeah. all that kind of stuff. So that's yeah. not, man, that was an amazing explanation of the sacraments. Oh. That was probably the most succinct, clear explanation of the sacraments I've ever heard. That was, that was amazing. Hey. So, So let's kind of back up and I want you to walk our listeners through the process or the experience from the moment that, you know, you had been attending a parish there in Nashville. And at a certain point you said, I I think I, I think I actually want to join the church. Mm -hmm. And so what did you do? Do you, do you go up and, you know, bug the priest after mass? Do you, do you go to the website and sign up, you know, to join the church? I mean, just walk us through that. From that moment when you decided, I think I want, might want to do this, what did you do and what happened? Yeah. So I had been going to the local parish that I had attended in the past. And when I decided I wanted to go through RCIA, I actually reached out to a friend and I was like, hey, do you recommend any RCIA programs in Nashville? Because you know, some, some may be better than others. I didn't know. And she did recommend some, but I actually decided to go with the RCIA program at the parish that I had been attending because I wanted that opportunity to meet people at the church that I would be going to, right? Because like you really form relationships with these people and I don't want to just go to church, go to mass and not have relationships with other people at the church. So just a good like jumping off point to make some friends at the parish. So that's why I decided to go to mine. I'm really, really glad I did. So it was April of 2023 when I just went to the website and I clicked on RCIA and emailed the guy. Shout out John. But yeah, emailed him, had some back and forth because I will say I was actually shocked at how seriously 
Catholics take RCIA. Like he came back and he was like, well, why don't you just keep attending mass and think about it a little bit more. And then if you're sure for sure, then you can come back to me. And I was like, wait, no, I am sure for sure. I told you I want to start, John. So let me start. And it was it was kind of... a th- We had to get on the phone and everything before he would actually take me seriously and get yeah. me started in the next formation. That's interesting because like my experience over the years in the mega church world that I came out of was uh-huh. we were all about getting not only butts and seats, but then getting them signed up. Yes. And so we would accelerate. Like if you came to the mega church and you came three weeks in a row... And you wanted to join, we'd get you in a new members class and lickety split, get you through as fast as we can, because it was all about moving people in, getting them signed up, making it happen. And you're right. RCA, you know, the process of entering the Catholic church is to be taken very seriously because it's a major commitment in your life. And it really is not only a commitment, but it's a, in some sense, it's a transformation in your life. You know, mm-hmm. you, you are entering the holy body of Christ, it is a sacramental process by which, as you say, you you go through the sacraments of initiation and you become part of the one mystical, one holy Catholic and apostolic church. So it's something that should be taken seriously. And you want to make sure that people who are going through it are going through it for the right reasons. And there's a sort of maturity to their decision and they're not just doing it reactively. Mm -hmm. So you, you talk to the guy and he's kind of, you know, one of maybe, you know, pump the brake pedal a little bit or something. And then, and then what happened? And then I was like, Nope, I'm ready. I've already made this decision. (laughs) And he's okay. So he introduced me to somebody from, it's called the inquiry team. Our church has where it's, I guess it's just people that are just there to answer your questions and to figure Mm -hmm. out why do you want to become Catholic and why now? And so I met with a gentleman at the church, did that. And then after that, it was just waiting on the next formation to begin. And so that was May. The RCIA formation wasn't going to begin until August. So May, June, July, August, four months. I just spent kind of doing my own research personally. And I'm so glad I did because you learn so much in the RCIA. But going into it with a really solid foundation helped me to be able to know what questions I wanted to get answered throughout my experience. So the first thing I did was I purchased the Baltimore Catechism which is one of my favorite tools. I'm a big, I'm a big fan of that. And yeah. there's a certain sort of generation of, I'm trying to choose my words carefully, like more progressive Catholics that hate the Baltimore Catechism, but I actually really like it. I mean, I, just because I love that it's simple answers to simple questions. Exactly. And the way it was described to me, and which I think is accurate, is... So there's, for the listener, there's the Catechism of the Catholic Church, which is this encyclopedia-sized giant book, okay, where you can find the answers to any question you have about what the Catholic faith teaches. But the Baltimore Catechism is this really tiny little book that summarizes like all the key points, and it's what's used to teach kids about the Catholic Church. And so as a new Catholic, this is such a great way to just hit on all the major points and just see, even if you're not sure you want to become Catholic, this will show you like, what do Catholics believe? And do you, are you on board or not? Like it's such a quick, easy read and it answers so many questions. So I'm so glad I got that and you can just get it on Amazon. It's super cheap. But yeah, so I, I read the Baltimore Catechism. 
I started binging a lot of podcasts, which is how I discovered yours, Yay. which which I know you were talking earlier about being searchable in Apple Podcasts and getting that algorithm up. But I will say I, when I typed in Catholicism, like yours came up right away and I'm so glad it did because oh, cool. I did discover you in Apple Podcasts. Awesome. I started memorizing a bunch of prayers and this is... So not even required. So listener, do not even get overwhelmed. I'm just extra. But I just wanted to go in like really super prepared <laughs> to like participate in the mass. You know what I mean? And to pray on my own and just to to not have to think so hard when I'm praying, you know, and not have to have something that I'm reading. So there were some prayers that I wanted to memorize. And can I just jump in there? Because yeah. I just want to affirm that for Protestants or evangelicals, like prayer is supposed to be this spontaneous thing. So it's the old joke is you think, say things like, well, just, I just, and Lord, I just, I just, Lord, I just want to, cause you're always trying to figure out what to say. Yeah. But, you know, there's very structured things like the Lord, what, what Protestants call the Lord's prayer. You know, because the disciples came to Jesus and said, what should we do when we pray? And he said, say this. So, you know, one thing is Catholic prayers are always named after the first words of the prayer. So, for example, the Lord's Prayer is called the Our Father because it begins, Our Father who art in heaven. Uh Learning like the basic three or four, you know, the Our Father, the the glory be, the glory be the Father, Son, right? And then the Mass response is, I know a young woman who is right now starting to attend the Catholic church. Like for the first time, she's 27 years old, 28 maybe. And she's, I, I'm kind of liking it, but I, I, I go and I don't know what to say. So I went on the internet and found her like a PDF cheat sheet. Like mm-hmm. it's just a one page cheat sheet of all the mass responses. And I go, I gave it to her and I said, here, just, just look at this. So yeah, I just want to affirm you. Yeah. That, that knowing those things is huge. It is so, so helpful. And what's funny for me, and maybe the listener can relate if you've been trying to memorize prayers, is for me, I memorize stuff like that, like short things like that, just by repeating it over and over, you know, and listening back and trying to say it along with it. And I couldn't find anything that would allow me to memorize these prayers while I was driving. I found them on YouTube, but the problem with YouTube is there's always these ads that play and then it doesn't play repeatedly. So I actually, for myself, created a TikTok page to memorize the prayers that I wanted to do because I couldn't find it anywhere else. And TikTok is the only place where a single video will just play on repeat without ads interrupting it. So if the listener, if you want to follow my prayers that I'm memorizing, I'm going to keep adding to this. There's only one, two, three, four, five, six at this point, but they're the big ones. It's called, it's at Catholic prayers vault on TikTok. I'm like, I'm not even, I haven't even shared this on social media, nothing. I literally created it just for myself. We'll throw that link, we'll throw that link in the show notes for this episode. Okay, yeah. Do it. So there's the St. Michael Prayer for Protection on there, which I love. The Confidier, the Hail Mary, the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed. And then I started with the Lord's Prayer. I had that memorized anyway, but I just wanted to... It rounded out with the Lord's Prayer when I started this. But yeah, super, super helpful for memorizing. Just throw this on, drive around town, and you will have these all memorized. (laughs) And it's going to be amazing. I'm so glad I started memorizing prayer. So whole point of that story is do that if you feel like that would help you. And then the other things I was doing before RCIA started was just digging into the Bible, which is something that I wasn't doing very much before is like actually reading, physically reading the Bible and just prioritizing time for that. I was also listening to a Bible app called Through the Word, which is really cool. It just attending weekly mass, of course, and then just became like just generally obsessed with figuring out everything I could about the Catholic faith. (laughs) Great. 
Great. Yeah. So it started in August. And w- what was it like? It was like, was it a classroom? Kind of walk us through the whole experience so people know what to expect. So our church has a house behind the church that they use for different things. And so that's where we had our classes. But before it started, everyone that was going through RCIA is paired with a sponsor. So it's somebody who's already Catholic, who is personally there to guide you through the whole experience. And they attend every session with you, do everything with you. It's very cool just to have somebody that you can go to one-on-one for all of your questions. And so I had the option. I could either, if I had a Catholic in my life that wanted to be my sponsor, I could do that. Or I could have them pair me with a sponsor. And I chose to have them pair me with a sponsor because I just wanted the experience of meeting someone new, having some fresh perspective into my life, getting to know somebody, you know, and and they did a really good job pairing us with sponsors. So for instance, the woman that was paired with me was around my age, single, I was single, just like very personality meshed really well. So I just think she, they did a really good, good job pairing me with somebody that fits really well with my vibe. And then there was like a lawyer going through and so he was he was paired with this older more seasoned lawyer, you know, and it was, they did such a good job. So I, I do recommend taking advantage of being paired with somebody rather than coming in with your own sponsor. It just gives you like a, I think it gave me a better experience. And then it wasn't so much a class, but more kind of like a small group. So we met every Wednesday night from 7 to 8.30 PM. And how it would work is we would all get there. We would do like some opening prayers. We would check in with our sponsors one-on-one. There would usually be like a speaker or a discussion leader. I actually enjoyed more when it was just like a discussion leader rather than a lecture. So we had right. a lot of that, which was great. We had some group discussion based on whatever you know we were talking about. Time at the end for silent prayers, reflection on what we had talked about, and then any announcements, whatever. Snacks. Great. We always had <laughs> <Yay>. snacks. <laughs> So that was good. It was pretty pretty casual, but we took it really seriously, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. And they actually provided all of the materials we needed. So first session, we got like a syllabus for the however long it was. What was it? 19 weeks? Yeah, 19, 20 weeks. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. So we had this the little syllabus about everything we were going to be discussing each week. They actually gifted us the, the Catechism of the Catholic Church. So that big book right. that I told you about. Yeah. I don't know if every church does that, but they gifted us one as part of RCIA. But the book that they gave us that we actually used for RCIA is called This Is Our Faith, A Catholic Catechism by Adults. It's by a man named Michael Pennick. And you can get this book on Amazon. But this book is incredible. Okay. So earlier we talked about the Baltimore Catechism, which is that really small version of the catechism, right? So this is our faith is like an in-between. So it's a little bit smaller than the catechism, but a little bit bigger than the Baltimore catechism. And it goes through all the same points, like all the major points about what the Catholic faith teaches. But the storytelling in this book is so good. Like it really makes you understand every point. Like every chapter begins with a story that's relatable and it just hones in on whatever the topic is. And then it explains, it answers all the questions you have about whatever that topic is. So for our RCIA experience, how it works is we would all... Our homework would be like to read one or two chapters and then we would come that Wednesday to discuss what we read. And we did the whole book that way. 
And it was just super helpful because the book, it explains so much, but of course you're going to have questions. And what I also love about that book is every chapter at the end has discussion prompts. So even if you don't have any questions after reading, if you're like, okay, I I get that, there's still always something that you can discuss and just kind of like get a deeper understanding, get more perspectives from the group. So I found it to be super, super helpful. Cool. So you mentioned the syllabus, 19 weeks. What are the sort of the topics that are covered? I know that there's like some sections or or maybe different kind of topical tracks that run through RCA, the the sort of curriculum. But what were those like? Yeah. So the four, basically there's four types of trainings, four types of, not even trainings, just like categories of what we would talk about. So we had catechetical training, which is understanding what the church teaches, but more importantly, just deepening your wonder at the mystery of how God is saving the world in Christ. There was also spiritual trainings, which is just how to live the Christian life more deeply through prayer, through personal authenticity in your faith and service to others. Liturgical training, which is basically how do you participate in the Catholic community and learning about the liturgical calendar and like what certain dates are and, you know, fasting and days of abstinence and stuff like that. And then apostolic training, which is like, how do we work to actively spread the gospel and build up the church? And then within that, we would get super detailed. So there was a whole chapter just about the Eucharist and understanding that there's probably a whole chapter about baptism. There's a whole chapter about matrimony, a whole chapter about holy orders. Every single thing is just perfectly described in such great detail in this book. And then just being able to discuss it was just super, super helpful. And that's the huge thing is that discussion component because it isn't 19 weeks of taking a class you're going to be lectured to, right? And all of those things where people are like, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm confused about something the church teaches, or maybe I'm not sure I agree with something the church teaches, but it's in the context of discussion with the group leader and the, the sponsors and everybody else to kind of walk you through it, right? And the other thing too is I really appreciated how RCIA was laid out to be taken very seriously, kind of like we mentioned earlier. So it wasn't something like, oh, we're taking attendance every Wednesday and you can't miss a single class or you can't become a Catholic. Like it wasn't like that at all. Like it is what you get out of it. And they'll say the same thing. If you have to miss a class, like I had to miss a class to go to a Morgan Wallen concert. Okay. But it is what you make of it, you know? And there were other things that just kind of structured it as far as like beginning, middle, end. So at the beginning, we had before the Wednesday nights started, we had like a welcoming retreat. So it was three hours on a Saturday where we all met each other and kind of shared about like why we wanted to become Catholic and just kind of like an introduction to RCIA, which I found to be super helpful. We also had at the very beginning, it was called, it was the rite of welcoming and blessing ritual where it was just like this really cool little ceremony that happened at a Sunday night mass where our sponsors kind of like did a little blessing on us. And and we just were up, up in front of the whole church just saying, hey, these are the people that are going through RCIA. Let's pray for them. And, and they want to become Catholic, which was really awesome. And then my favorite parts of RCIA were actually two kind of like bonus sessions where again, not required, but just it was so cool that they offered this. So one of them, it was a random Thursday where we had a mass walkthrough with the head priest of our church, which I I go to a pretty big parish. And even just like knowing the priest, I thought was to like take some time, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I did meet him at a barbecue, but we didn't have a personal relationship yet. And 
I was like, wow, what a cool opportunity to get to spend this like really intimate time with the head priest of our parish and just yeah. like get to know him, number one, which was so awesome. And there was only like five of us that were there. And just to, to, I mean, he took two hours with us to walk us through the entire mass, every single detail about why we do this, why we do that, what this little symbol means at the altar, you know, every single thing. And he answered all of our questions. And it was just such an amazing experience. I, I am going to go again. Like the next time there's an RCIA, <laughs> I'm going to crash the mass walkthrough because I just found it to be so fascinating. That's so great. And then, the second thing we got to do is because obviously if you if you have never been catholic <laughs> you've never gone to confession and this was like right. the most intimidating part for me is confession and so we actually were offered a mock confession where we could, only two of us went okay, okay. <laughs> so we got personalized one on one time with our RCIA director but it was so amazing because we got to like basically act out how a confession would go and actually do it for real with like fake things we were confessing. Yeah. You weren't um, actually, you know, confessing to your yeah. RCA director, but right. Because no. maybe for those who may not know, so confession or, or the right of penance or reconciliation is called different things is, is a very structured sacrament. So mm-hmm. when you come into the confessional, there is a certain formula of things that you say certain things and then you confess and there's a certain order for how it isn't a counseling session. That's one of the things right. the priests that I know often say is I'm not here to give you a 45 minute counseling session. You're, you're here to confess your sins and there's a way to do that. And then you say an act of contrition in which you ask officially for forgiveness. You express your sorrow for your sin and your commitment to do your best to never do those things again. So you can receive absolution. So it isn't just going maybe in the evangelical world to a, like a Christian counselor where you're just going to go in and have this like kind of random conversation. Mm-hmm. So it's really good that you got to have that walk through a rehearsal for how to do it the first time. A hundred percent. And if anyone's curious, like I, I do have like a, a recording of it. <laughs> if you're like, I, mine doesn't offer this and I'm going to my first confession. They did offer us the recording of it, but I just love to do it in person because I, I felt so prepared to go do my first confession after that. Whereas before I was just so nervous. And and it's not that intimidating, honestly. Like you sit down, you recite this little prayer, you can read it from a, you know, a little note card. I'm sure every parish has yeah. one. It's not like you have to have this memorized. Yeah, act most, of most of them have the note card of what to say, like a uh, scotch taped in the confessional. Yes. Right exactly. So it's really not intimidating. It just seems intimidating well, if you've never done it before. Right. There's two aspects. And I'm curious to hear you speak about this because there's the, the sort of the form aspect of what do I say? How do I do yeah. it? But then there's the substance part of, well, I, you know, the, if you've never gone in and shared all of that stuff, you know, with the priest, I mean, I, I know people are like, are terrified of that to go in and, you know, dump their bucket. And, yeah. and and share, especially if, if you're entering the church as an adult, you've got a lifetime of stuff. So what was that like for you? Well, I'm glad you mentioned earlier about how it's not a counseling session because that was made very clear to us too. And so what was helpful for me is they basically I was told to just think of the big things, right? Like you don't have to like confess every little like white lie. And there was this one told. Thursday. It was probably, yeah. 12, no, I think it was 13 years ago. I think it was like, a, it was September, like the middle of the month. And this one Thursday, I jaywalked. Like, right. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, not like that at all. It's and my, my priest, he's very clear with everybody. Like, I don't want to hear the little knickknack things you've done. Like, just take that to God, (laughs) take it to prayer, you know, take it to communion. But as far as what to confess, it's like, what is really weighing heavily on your heart? And just getting that off your chest is the whole point of it. So like I confess like some big things that, you know, my whole life I had never gone to confession. So I was like, well, I've done this big thing, this big thing, whatever. And he asked me, he's okay, well, what of that weighs hev- most heavily on mm-hmm. your heart? Mm-hmm. And so I said, okay, I think this one thing weighs most heavily on my heart. And so when he gave me the what's it called when he gives Absolution. you something to do, then I think you should do this, this, oh, your, and this. Oh, your penance. My penance. Yeah. That's oh, yeah, the okay. word I was looking for. Yeah. yeah my so, penance. Yeah. Yeah. So he basically was like, what's weighing most heavily on your heart? I told him and then he's okay. So for your penance, do this and this. And then yeah. that was it. And it was very quick. And and the other thing I loved about my first confession, which listener, if you can take advantage of this, do it. Okay. So we had a couple options for our first confession. We could either schedule it ahead of time because they didn't want us to do it at the actual times of confession because it would probably take a little bit longer and they didn't want to slow everyone else down. So we could either schedule it ahead of time, go meet with the priest one-on-one, or there is something called the parish penance service, which I don't know how often this is done. Is it once a year? Do you know? Yeah. Okay. So once a year, I just happened to land perfectly with my RCIA experience, but it's this Sunday night mass where the whole entire mass is about like uh, confession, reconciliation, penance. And then at the end, there's all these different priests from all over the city that come into our parish and the whole congregation just splits up and everyone goes and gives confession at the end of this mass. And it's also where all of the children, so the seven-year-olds, when they give their first confession, this is where they go do their first confession. So it's basically like a big confession party and it takes all the pressure off of it because right. everyone's doing it right. and it's moving pretty quickly and it just... It made it so much less intimidating for me to do it that way. So highly That's recommend great. if you can take advantage of that to do it. And yeah, then I remember one more th- when I went through RCA, I yeah. was really eager. I mean, I didn't know how to do confession, but I was really eager to do it. That was like a big selling point for me mm-hmm. to enter the Catholic Church. And then I was always struck by what G.K. Chesterton said about it. He said, you know, when you walk out of the confessional, you're five minutes old again. And yes. every time I go to confession, I always feel that way. I walk out and I feel like I'm a new person once again. One thing I wanted to mention too is I always thought, because you watch movies like Catholic movies and it's all like they go into the little confessional box and there's a light that turns on when somebody's in there, you know. And I found it to be fascinating that at least at my parish, we have the confession boxes, but they're kind of old school at this point, I guess. And not every church even uses them. And my church doesn't even use them. So to to give confession, you actually sit with a priest one-on-one in a little room. Or you could be behind, you know, a screen in this one room, but they don't even use the confession boxes anymore, which I just found to be like fascinating. Parish to parish. But there are a lot of them too that like you say, there's a reconciliation room, a lot of times they'll call it. And you can Mm -hmm. you can choose to sit across from the priest and look at each other. Or you can there's a kind of like a partition and you can choose to be on the other side. But that's how ours is. Yeah. So, okay. So that was a huge thing was to make your first confession. And one uh-huh. of the things I know that you pointed out was that you didn't have to be rebaptized through this process because, and we'll probably have to do this in another show. I know Corey and I've talked about it before, but 
um, not everybody has to be rebaptized when you enter the Catholic Church. When I shared uh-huh. my testimony, I shared that a number of episodes ago that I was baptized sort of outside the church, but my baptism was accepted as valid. So uh-huh. because you had been baptized a child, it was accepted as valid. So you didn't have to re-experience baptism, correct? Yeah. So I was baptized at age the age of seven into the Lutheran church. Mm-hmm. And I was actually, just like you were excited to give your confession, yeah. I was excited to be baptized into the Catholic church. And... I was kind of disappointed to learn that I wouldn't be baptized into the Catholic (laughs) church because they recognized my baptism. And I was like, wait, but I didn't choose to be baptized Lutheran. But what I found to be really comforting about that is baptism is actually something that's done to you. It can't be undone, right? So like that, that's really comforting to me knowing that no matter how far I may fall away from my faith in certain points of my life, I've always been baptized. It's never going to change, which I find to be really comforting. So in the RCIA process, there are other people like me who have been baptized in other denominations and we were called candidates. Mm -hmm. And then there's other people who have never been baptized, who will be baptized into the Catholic church and they're called catechumens. And so for us, we all went through the RCIA experience together, but then the catechumens just had a little bit longer to go. Um, more than more than we did who have already been baptized just because yep. they had a little bit more to do. But I thought it was cool. We all just got to do it together and cool. yeah. And all so learned, you know, the you, same stuff. Of the, you, you, so after 19 weeks, you were prepared to make your first confession and now you're preparing to make your first communion. And that's a part of your sort of the culmination of the process. Want mm-hmm. to describe what that's the big mass where you get to actually enter the church. Yeah, it was, really special. So like I said, I was already baptized. So the the final steps were obviously I had to do my first confession. It's not an official sacrament of initiation, but it was required in order to go through confirmation and communion. So did my first confession. And then the actual initiation ceremony was at a 6 p.m. mass. And it was just really special. Like the first few rows were reserved for us. It was like a big deal. Our family could come. Friends could come. We walked up. I think it was just before the homily. No, just after the homily, we got confirmed. So we, the priest did a little blessing on our forehead. And it was just special with our sponsors. They were up there with us. And then we all sat back down. And then when it was time for communion... All of us who were getting our first communion went up first and took communion at the front, like at the altar. And then communion happened for everybody else. For me, it was just really awesome to be able to complete the cycle because I had been researching Catholicism at this point for a year because I started researching it last January. My initiation was this January. So it was just a really awesome kind of final closing of that loop of all the research I had done and all of the relationships that I had made and and all of the just contemplating on this subject that I had done for so long. But I was also really happy because I actually got really, really sick with a stomach bug the night before for the two days before. And I actually missed the last... So remember how I described we had a welcoming retreat, which is like a three-hour welcome into RCIA. Well, there was a three-hour exit retreat that was required. It was this thing where they were like, you cannot miss this. You can miss anything else. You cannot miss the exit retreat. Okay. 
but I I was like deathly ill on my couch throwing up. I, I simply could not go. And I was so terrified that I wasn't going to be able to participate that next day. And it was like this big mess, whatever. So I was just happy to be there. Okay. I was happy. I was feeling better. I, I was happy that they made an exception and they let me come. And I'm actually really bummed that I missed that exit retreat because I've heard I heard that it was really impactful and everyone just kind of shared stories about how they had experienced the RCIA process and and all of that. So I highly recommend you do take advantage of that if you go through RCIA. I was bummed to miss it. But as far as like the actual confirmation and my first communion, I it was just really special to actually be able to take communion because I had been attending mass for so long and now I felt, okay, I'm actually like part of this community now. And I can actually... I had been participating in every other way, but now I'm fully participating in this. Oh. And, and it's so cleansing to be able to take communion. I just wanted it so badly, you know, just to feel just cleansed of my sin, right. you know? Right. And one thing I wanted to point out for the listener is the whole feeling like left out of not being able to take communion. So the, for the first few months that I was attending weekly mass, I would sit in my pew while everyone would get up. They would go take communion. I would let them back in, you know, and I would sit there and I would feel like so weird just sitting there. And somebody let me know, which was so helpful for me, which is why I'm telling you, you can actually go up with everybody and you just, instead of taking the bread and the wine of communion, you go up with your arms crossed over your chest. And that's a signal to the person giving out communion that you're not taking communion. And they'll just give you a little blessing on your forehead. So you can still go up with everybody. You can get a blessing and go back to your pew and not feel like an idiot just sitting there. Pretty you know. Awesome. And, there's, and, and, and there's also other reasons why even Catholics won't take communion for certain reasons on right. you know certain Sundays. And so it's not like... You just don't have to feel so left out. You can still go up there, cross your arms, get a blessing, and then go back to your pew. I found that to be very comforting. And I, I was so much happier when I learned that and was able to do it. That's awesome. Yeah. So a couple of things here. Describe, maybe summarize just what it means to kind of complete this journey in your life and just to be part of the church. Hmm. I think for me, I have always... I, I think I mentioned this in the last episode we recorded together, but I always wanted to believe what the Bible said. And I always wanted to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And I always, all of this, these things, like I, I know it's like the right thing to do. But for me, it always felt like, it always felt like a stretch that the Bible could be true. Like it always just felt, okay, why? But why do I believe this? Just because my parents believe it, just because I was told to believe it, just because I was happened to be born in America where the, you know, the majority of people at least have heard of Jesus Christ. And, you know, I, I always had these questions for myself about like, why am I, a, am I being silly for believing this? And it wasn't until I discovered Catholicism that everything the Bible teaches actually started to make logical sense for me. But for me personally, it was like, I finally have the structure to where every question I have, I know where to find an answer and all of the answers I'm finding make sense. Like when I listen to you, for instance, talk about any certain subject on Catholicism, I'm like, dang, I would have never thought about it that way, but you describe it so well. And the same thing with the, this is our faith book. It's like everything I have a question about, like, why do we do this? Why do we believe this? It's like, there's an answer there that I can actually 
really truly for the first time believe in. And just to be a part of this community is just so... It's just so amazing because I, I've never... I've never truly believed to the level I believe now. And just to be able to be in community with other people that think the same way as me, is just, it's amazing. That's fantastic. Well, you know, it's, it's not the end of a journey. It's just the beginning (laughs) of a new one, right? So, exactly. so uh, let me give you also the chance to, to say sort of a final word to any of our listeners out there that are thinking (laughs) about maybe entering the church and going into RCA final sort of advice to them. Yeah, I would say the RCIA, it's not designed for people that know 100% they want to become Catholic. Like I, for instance, I did so much research on my own. By the time I started RCIA, nobody was going to talk me out of becoming Catholic. It was just, I was going through the motions and finishing what I already decided I was going to do. However, some people go through RCIA to get those questions answered to see, do they want to become Catholic or not? Because just because you start RCIA doesn't mean you have to finish it. It doesn't mean you have to go through confirmation. doesn't mean you have to get baptized. It is literally designed for you to learn about the Catholic faith in a really deep, meaningful way so that you can make your own decision. So if you feel like you want to explore Catholicism, I think RCIA is an amazing way to do it. And also, like I said, it's just such a great way to get to know members of the parish and get to know other people who are in the same walk of their faith journey as you are and to ask questions, engage in discussion, hear different perspectives, and just relieve that pressure of having to figure everything else, everything out on your own when it comes to the Catholic faith. Because you can go down rabbit holes like I have done, but just having the structure was just super helpful. And then... The other thing is, like I said, like these little opportunities that come up, like the mock confession or, you know, the mass walkthrough, those things are just so fascinating anyway, just to learn about. So I, yeah, I, I loved my RCIA experience. I'm so glad I did it. And I'm so glad I did it so early on. And I didn't think about it for years and years and years. And I got it out of the way because there's, for instance, there was another woman in my RCIA who she's married, her husband's Catholic. They've been going to, Catholic mass for years. They even lived in Italy, went to mass in Italy every week. And she just had never found the time to go through RCIA. So for years, she's been married to a Catholic and she hasn't been able to take communion. And so she was going through the same RCIA I was. And it was just really cool to get to know her and get to know her story. And people are just coming from all different walks of life. And it's such a low pressure, but high reward thing to do. So highly recommend. Fantastic. I'm so... I'm so glad. And I'm so glad you came back on the show to, to describe this for our listeners. And I hope that you'll be back again soon to talk about, I don't know, something to talk <laughs> about. I just love having you on as a guest. Before you go, Angie, I want you to plug your own show again, because uh, like I said, you're a great podcaster and you've got a fantastic show. So why don't you tell our listeners what it is and how to find it? Thank you so much. It is called You Get What I'm Saying. And it's basically just, you know, my own curious explorations, what I'm going through at any given moment. It's very raw, vulnerable. I mean, my testimony on there is two hours long and I'm just crying the whole time. I mean, you never know what you're going to get in an episode. But if you just skim through the titles, maybe there's something that piques your interest or that you want to share with somebody else. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a fun podcast. Nothing too serious. You get what I'm saying. Well, fantastic. Hey, thank you so much for coming on again. And like I said, I hope you'll join us again soon because I just love talking to you. So thank you so much for having me. I love sharing this experience about RCIA and I hope it's helpful for the person listening. 
Fantastic. Thanks so much, Angie. And thank to, thanks to all of you for listening. And I hope you'll join us in our next episode for whatever it is that we're going to talk about then. <laughs> Take care. God bless. Thank you.